The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church. While he was with them, he commanded, oh yes, please stand. You guys know the deal. (laughs) I'm a little rusty. All right. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which, he said, you've heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Una vez, mientras comía con ellos, Jesús les ordenó, No se alejen de Jerusalén, sino esperen la promesa del Padre, de la cual les he hablado. Juan bautizó con agua, pero dentro de pocos días, ustedes serán bautizados con el Espíritu Santo. Entonces los que estaban reunidos con él le preguntaron, Señor, ¿es ahora cuando vas a restaurar el reino a Israel? No les toca a ustedes conocer la hora ni el momento determinados por la autoridad misma del Padre, les contestó Jesús. Pero cuando venga el Espíritu Santo sobre ustedes, recibirán poder y serán mis testigos en Jerusalén, en toda Judea, en Samaria y hasta lo último de la tierra. This is the word of the Lord. What's up, fam? You guys are here. It's so good to see you this morning. My name is Jared. I have the honor of being one of your pastors here at Story City. It is such a privilege and a pleasure. And uh, for those of you joining us for the first time, welcome. We are super glad you're here. Um, this is going to be a, an interesting Sunday. How about that? It'll be an interesting Sunday. Uh, For those of you who have been here for a while, you know that I start off each sermon with a brief synopsis of who we are as a church and kind of where we're going. There's always this little summary that that kind of uh, kicks us off. And I will continue to do that uh, from time to time as I believe it's important in helping us grow into what we want to be. But uh, as we enter this year, we want to be known as a church that is uh, dedicated to prayer, that prayer is permeating everything that we do. It was beautiful this morning. You guys didn't get to see it, but the prayer team was in here praying over every seat that you are sitting in here this morning. Yeah, we can clap for them. That was, it was awesome. We believe that God wants to do amazing things, but those things always have to be and should be rooted in prayer. And so we're excited about that. And so what you're going to see is uh, at the beginning of each sermon, we're going to take some time and do some pastoral prayer. And so would you join me for just a moment as we take some time to, to pray? God, you are incredible. You are wonderful. You are good. You are faithful. You are present. Lord, you are who you say you are. There is nothing false in you. Everything you do is for our best good and for the good of your kingdom. You are love to its fullest extent and you love us to the fullest extent there is. You never withhold, you never hold back, you never wait for us to reciprocate before giving us the rest of your love. You are 
all in. God, you're amazing. And these words I'm praying now fall so short in honoring you and glorifying you and bringing you the credit and recognition you deserve. In fact, Father, we as a community so often fall short of of, uh, modeling you, of living in a way that points to you in healthy ways. And so we just confess, Lord, we, we have not done well in representing you to the world around us. We have not done well in representing you to ourselves. We haven't done well in just loving you, and yet thank you that you are so faithful, you are so good, and that, Lord, you, as we apprentice you, are walking us through to become more and more like you, that you are restoring, renewing our souls, our minds, our hearts, that, God, as we, uh, Lord, for those of us here who are just trying to figure you out, that you have been working in us before we ever could even have thought of you. Thank you. Thank you that you have been here, that you have been moving, that you have been working before we ever made a move on our end. Lord, like me, there are many here who are hurting. God, you know I'm exhausted today. You know that I feel, uh, Lord, just maybe at the end of my rope, feel like I'm, well, just exhausted. Lord, I know I'm not the only one. I know there's many here who are, Lord, maybe it's physical, maybe it's spiritual, maybe it's mentally, maybe it's all of it. Maybe it's just the, the, the place where it's like, God, I just need some hope. And so we thank you that you are always our hope. I thank you that I'm here this morning, not in my own strength or effort, but because of those who have been praying for me, that those who have been loving me, those who have been pouring into me. Father, thank you that there, there is a community that we, that we work in and through that allows us to carry out your mission, that we don't have to be in our own strength, but yours and the people who come alongside us. And so, Lord, we as a community ask for your, uh, Lord, your, your care, your blessing, your support, your, your love to be poured out on, on those who are working alongside this, this congregation. Father, we pray for Ryan, Pastor Ryan at Village Church this morning and, and their efforts to love and care for Burbank. And, um, Lord, Pastor RJ over at South, Winds, or South Hills, Lord, that you would Bless him, that you would pour out on them this morning, that your gospel would be preached. Father, for Pastor Nick at City Light, thank you for all that they're doing in the ways that they are constantly working to honor you. God, for Pastor Brian up at Emmanuel Church, just above Burbank High School, thank you for what they're doing. Father, we pray that you would bless their congregations, that as they seek to honor and worship you, Lord, we pray that you would, uh, that you would make yourself known in new ways, that you would, Lord, refresh and restore their spirits, that you would give them energy. Lord, there's so many pastors wanting to quit right now. Lord, we was here last night at Radius's last service, and it, Lord, it's devastating when, when, when we lose ground to the enemy. I thank you that you're faithful despite that. I pray that you would continue to help us to be a people who faithfully steward, who, who, who listen well, who move according to what you want, that we would lay down our own agendas, our own will, our own ways, and we would follow you to the best of our ability. Lord, help us to want to do that. Help us to want to follow you. Help us to want to listen, to be obedient, to trust you even when it doesn't make sense or when it seems to go against our own intuitions. Lord, to trust you against our own hearts. We surrender to you, and so in this time and this place, Lord, move afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, before we jump into our message today, what is one thing 
that you are really bad at? Our minute and mingle question today. I want to hear, what do you guys have today? What is it? What was it? Emails. That's my secretary. That's going to be a problem. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding, Tracy. Tracy's actually amazing at it, so don't let her tell you different. She's, she is on top of it. If you've ever been double booked for an appointment with me, that's because I did it. Tracy did not. So make sure if you need time with me, you see Tracy, you will actually get time with me. It works better that way. Singing. Singing. Okay. All right. Relationships. Relationships. All right. All right. <laughs> Small talk. Yeah. Yep. A lot of us here. What else? I couldn't hear. Sorry. Masks. That's why I couldn't hear. Yeah. Math. I, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't calculate that answer. Yes. I, I'm with you. I am terrible at math. Yes. Some of us were born to be athletes and some of us were born to be mathletes. I was not born to be the mathlete. So I'm with you. What else? Spelling. Spelling. Yes. And that should be Fordnall because he's... <laughs> Fortinall, <laughs> one of our best. It wasn't Fortinall. That's cool. Fortinall, you got a buddy. You should make sure you connect with. Uh, <laughs> don't place categories together. That's going to be awesome. Uh, Forty, one of my favorite memories of you was our staff retreat, uh, that, that, or one of our trips. We did a staff day trip, and, uh, and we were playing a spelling game in the car, and that was, uh, that was one of the most entertaining things I have ever seen out of you. That was fantastic, so... Yeah, um, I, I guarantee you there's probably less than four of you that have ever heard of the Filipino national basketball team. Yeah, okay, so there's three. All right, good. The rest of you have not. This is why I am not good at basketball, okay? Uh, that is my thing. I am terrible at basketball. I know some Filipinos are really great at basketball. I am not one of those, uh, and so that's my, that's my thing. But we're going to be talking about... Uh, spiritual gifts and the things that God gives us, the, the, the gifts that God empowers us with. And so um, we are going to be wrestling through some of, of what this kind of looks like. But to get to some of those things over the next couple of weeks, I think it's really important that we lay a gospel foundation for what those are, that we have to have a right understanding. And unfortunately, uh, there has been a lot of information out there, I think, that at, at best is confusing and at worst, I think, kind of goes against, not kind of, goes against Scripture. And so what I want to do for us today is, is really just kind of tackle some of the big uh, 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 words that we use, some of those big things to get a clearer understanding of what Scripture is actually talking about. So, whew, all right, we were supposed to get this. It's, it's good. It's always easy to handle non-controversial stuff like this, right? So... Last week, we, we talked on racial reconciliation, so no big deal, super easy, simple. This week, right into uh, spiritual gifts. Next week is like tongues and prophecy. The week after that is faith, healing, and miracles. So it's going to be easy the next couple weeks. No problem at all. Here's the deal. Um, we have been learning how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have been speaking to and interacting with and empowering humanity to, humanity to accomplish God's mission since the beginning of time. And the reality is one of the things we have to keep in mind when we get to spiritual gifts is that spiritual gifts are never about us. Anybody, I don't care if they're a pastor or not, that uses or talks about spiritual gifts in a way that does not first and foremost align with Scripture and give glory to God is absolutely off base. 
And there is zero tolerance on this. Okay, it's, we have to be clear on this, that anything we go, well, it's kind of cool, like it sounds good. I know it doesn't exactly line up with scripture, but then what we're doing is we're actually affirming something that we're saying, no, no, that's good, but it, it, anything that doesn't affirm with scripture can't be good. So I just want to have this in the back of our mind as we're kind of talking through these things, that the Bible says Jesus did the work of the Father through the empowerment of his Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is important for us to understand. When Jesus returned to heaven, he said we're to continue the work he started, that we are to be his hands and his feet to the world around us, that he would, um, that he would give us the, the, uh, the comforter, the one that will help us walk through this, the one that will empower us to do that, that is the Holy Spirit. And so what is our job? Our job is to reflect. It goes back to the Imago Dei from Genesis. Our job is to reflect God, to show how he lives, how he loves, how he leads. So everything we do is designed to point back to who God is. And we're supposed to help the rest of the family of God do that as we live this out as we're going to the world that is right around us, not, not just in our everyday life, right? There's too much of this. Um, we sort of separated the holy from the non-holy. And we're like, okay, well, my job is non-holy, so I got to live this way. But the truth is that everything is God's. Everything is holy. There is no difference in how we live. We live completely as if everything we're doing is in the holy or we're not. And so to carry out this mission to help others see who God is really depends on the way we live, which is why we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to be clear here. God is triune, like Chris said when he was leading this morning. Where the Father is, the Son is. Where the Son is, the Spirit is. Uh, and so when we use language like Jesus is in heaven and the Spirit is with us, I want us to be clear Excuse me, that, uh, that we're not talking about them being separated from each other. Right? We're not saying that they are in completely different places, that they are separate beings. We want to be clear that sometimes we can use language and not be clear about what we're saying. But God is both spirit and omnipresent, meaning is everywhere that he wants to be at the same time. And so we're talking about um, Jesus being there. Jesus uh, does still retain uh, his humanity. He does have a human nature in addition to his God nature. And, uh, but he is still everywhere with the Spirit, with the Father. And so we want to be really clear that we are not saying they are three, that they are three separate beings or separate entities. They are three in one. All right. Everything that they do is always going to be in unison because they agree and work perfectly together. You guys got that? Were you good about that part? Okay, good. All right. <laughs> Just get on with the message, Pastor. Hello. Jesus tells his disciples right before he ascends to heaven, he tells his disciples, he says, I want you to go back and you're going to wait in Jerusalem because the, the, the comforter is coming. And I want you to wait because he is going to show up in a few days. And so they're wondering what, what's going to happen. And so they go back to Jerusalem and they're waiting. And Jesus tells them the Holy Spirit is necessary for this next portion. And so we get to the scripture that we read before. Let's refresh our memories. Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. If you're new to your Bibles, if you open it up to the middle, that's about the Psalms. The Psalms are in what we call the Old Testament or Old Covenant. That's all where Jesus existed, but before he took on human nature. The New Testament or New Covenant exists when Jesus put on human nature in addition to his God nature. And so you see those New Testament things start with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the very next book is the book of Acts, which is where we'll be. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts... Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8, it says this. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which, he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? When are, are all this stuff going to come to an end? When are you going to bring everything back and be done with all of this? 
And he said to him, It's not for you to know the time or periods the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. What Jesus is saying here is, hey, stop worrying about the end times right now. What I need you to do is focus on, you have a job to do, and that's the most important thing coming next. And so this is really, this passage is really important for those who are apprentices of Jesus, because it's a passage that talks about what our job is and how we're going to be able to accomplish it. Now, the key things we're trying to understand here are verses 5 and verse 8 in their context. And so to understand that, I think we need to press forward a little bit farther. So skip on down to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. It says this. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each each one heard them speaking in his own language. Again, skip on down to verses 32 to 39. God has raised this Jesus... We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord declared to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So you see at the end of this, there's this promise that this receiving the Holy Spirit wasn't just a one-time thing, but this will continue to happen for the rest of humanity. Now the Bible says when we become followers or apprentices of Jesus, uh, that we exchange our way of thinking for God's way. It's a, it's a process called repentance, right? And as God continues to do that in us, we call that sanctification. He's helping us continue to do that. The Bible says we're made new each and every day. And so we use the faith that God himself gives us to believe that Jesus is God. If we say those things with our mouth and believe them in our hearts in a way that Jesus becomes our Lord, then we are adopted into God's family and not just adopted, we become uh, true sons and daughters of the living God, brothers and sisters of Jesus, and we have a part in the inheritance, co-heirs of Jesus, meaning that we get to reap the benefit and reward because of what Jesus has done as family of the living God. And so, in other words, apart from understanding and recognizing that we cannot save ourselves in any way by our our own efforts, we couldn't have even had the faith to believe in God unless God had given that to us, that, that we needed Jesus to rescue and redeem and renew us. That's the gospel, that, that God, has come to, uh, to, God himself has come to rescue and renew all creation through the person and work of Jesus. And so it goes further than that, though. It also talks about how as we, as we become uh, brothers and sisters in the faith, as we become apprentices of Jesus, we are now in this family. And as family, the Bible says we were designed and created to do this life in community. That we were created to be in community. God is in perfect community with himself. And so we are called to be in community, gospel-centered community, as we learn and grow and live all our callings with our gifts to the community that is around us. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones puts it this way. 
Anyone who thinks he can live the Christian life himself is actually proclaiming he is not a Christian. Anyone who thinks he can live the Christian life himself is proclaiming he is not a Christian. Let's look back to Acts chapter 1, verse 5. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Paul tells us in verse 38 of Acts 2 that everyone who becomes an apprentice of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, receives the Holy Spirit. Guess what? That's baptism of the Holy Spirit. Every believer who walks with Jesus, every apprentice, is baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what that is. And he does that to help us to be who we're called to be and live the life that we've been called to live. And so everyone who is a follower of Jesus gets the Holy Spirit. There are no Christians who do not have the Holy Spirit. Because those of us who say, hey, but, um, you know, we, we, the Holy Spirit is how he empowers us to do stuff. Uh, and and, and they're, you, know, you believe in Jesus, but you haven't gotten the Holy Spirit yet. That would say then that they're separate beings, right. which is to deny the Trinity. You guys with me so far? So we can't say that we have, some people have the Holy Spirit and some people don't if they have Jesus, because now we're actually denying the Trinity. The Holy Spirit gives us at least one supernatural gift or ability to help us carry out God's mission. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 13. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works in all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. Okay? To which persons? To each person. For the common good. For their good? No, for the common good. That means the good of the community. Right. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between the Spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. And one of the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person as He wills. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, through though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all given, bless you, one spirit to drink. It said it right there. I couldn't help myself. Now, this brings us to some of the controversies surrounding some of these words like baptism in the Holy Spirit. And over the next few weeks, like I said, we're going to have some fun with things like tongues and prophecies and miracles. But before we even get to those, I want to lay down that starting piece, that foundational piece I talked about. Now, there are three kind of main camps when it comes to uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works in our life. Three main camps. The first camp is called cessationists. Cessationists. Generally, Generally, right, where this is generally speaking, cessationists are those who believe that gifts like mercy and hospitality and leadership are still active and present today, that God uh, gives us those gifts to use. But the more supernatural gifts like tongues, healing, prophecy, miracles were for the early church. They were for establishing the early church and they do not exist in the church today. That would be cessationist viewpoint. We do not fall into the cessationist viewpoint here at Story City. We fall into the next camp. 
However, I do want to say, though we don't land here, we have amazing and great friendships with churches that are cessationists. We love them. We know they're following Jesus. There is nothing there that, would, that we would say, okay, we, we have to not be friends because of this. Like, it still fits within Scripture. We understand where you came from. We love you. We see it differently. We can still be friends. Let's celebrate Jesus together. That is awesome. Okay, good. So many cessationist churches we know, love, and respect. The next camp is the Charismatics. The Charismatics believe that the super... All right. Charismatics are, are defined by outbursts from their congregation. If we can... <laughs> hang on. I'm going to talk bad about us too, so hang on just a second. <laughs> The charismatics believe that the supernatural gifts are still given by the Holy Spirit for the purpose, for the purpose of glorifying God and furthering his mission in and through the church. Now, there are a wide array of people that fall into the charismatic movement, okay? Some people who think they're charismatic are actually Pentecostal. We'll get to that next. Some people who are Pentecostal are actually charismatic. We're going to define the line for us today, but there is a wide gamut. So, when we say that we are charismatic to steal a line from another pastor, we are charismatic with a seatbelt. What do I mean? Let's just jump right into one of the most controversial gifts right now, right? Tongues. Okay. The Bible is very clear that there are rules to be used with a gift of tongues. What does it say? It says, A, tongues is never to be used in a service unless there is the gift of interpretation. The Bible just said he gives some gifts of tongues and some gifts of interpretation. So there would have to be somebody who has shown that they have the gift of interpretation. They understand that, and that would have to be used. The second thing it says is that you never have more than two, maybe three people speak during the service. Some of us who have come from charismatic backgrounds, you hear the entire church going at the same time. That is not biblical. I love my churches that I've been in, but that is not what the scripture says. It also says that they speak one at a time, those three, and then you have to weigh what they said and say, is this of the Lord? The elders in the church come together and say, did this really come from God? So somebody who gives those gifts can't just say, I heard from God, you all need to listen to this. It doesn't work that way. The person says, I I think this is what God is saying. And then the congregation would weigh that together and go, you know what, I I think that is legitimately from the Lord. We, We believe that is accurate and correct. So here's the deal. Unless there's a gift of interpretation, it should never be used in a public service. It should be a prior, pr- private prayer language between you and God. So we're for the gift. That's great. If God gives a gift of tongues, awesome. Use it appropriately according to Scripture. Charismatic with a seatbelt. You guys get what I'm coming from? All right. Cool. Now, inside this charismatic movement, there are those... I've been to some of these churches. I'd be happy to share some of those experiences, not from the stage, at some point with you. Usually over a beer because that requires alcohol for some of those. Um, Anyway, just saying. um, We do believe that there are a lot of people that fall in the charismatic movement that that disagree with us, that do love Jesus, that want to see Jesus honored and glorified. We think that's great. However, there are some people inside the charismatic movement who we believe have fallen more in love with the experiences than the one who gives the experience. There are some who fall in love with the experiences of the Holy Spirit, or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, over the Holy Spirit himself. What do I mean? I've seen groups get carried away by looking for strange signs to see if the Holy Spirit showed up. 
What do we just talk about? The Holy Spirit is there if Jesus is there. If you're saying you're waiting for the Holy Spirit to show up, you should be waiting for Jesus to show up too because you're probably not a biblical church. Now, I'm not picking on the churches. I'm just saying I'm picking on the theology behind it, right? You understand what I'm saying? I'm not picking on a church. I'm saying, guys, we have to be careful about what we understand and believe because this, this affects uh, how we see and understand and communicate who God is. I've seen, I've had a worship uh, um, night one night with a guest person who was like, the Holy Spirit didn't show up unless we start saying gold dust on the strings of our guitar and gold dust in our hands. And we know that the Holy Spirit has actually shown up. I've been in places where holy laughter has broken out, where people are out of control, where they can't control themselves. God is a God of order. The Holy Spirit is, is planned. He, he made his plans. And I'm not saying that, that we always have to understand how God works, but certainly that God is a God of order. I've seen people do all kinds of crazy things where, where it's, it's forced. I had a pastor I knew one time who would uh, tell the staff every Sunday, uh, I'm going to call on you randomly and you better have a word from the Lord every week. And that staff was like, I, you, you told me two minutes ago, I, I don't know that I actually had a word from the Lord. So they would just make something up and it would be presented to the congregation as that was the word from the Lord. That, that is not right. And sometimes these churches, not always, but churches in our camp, value those experiences over Scripture. Scripture has to be our highest authority no matter what we're doing. Remember, Scripture, the Holy Spirit is never going to go against Scripture. It's the Word of God. I'll give you an example. A friend of mine sent me this YouTube video, and he was so excited that I watched this preacher. And, and he's like, you've got to hear from this guy. He's an excellent communicator. Inside joke, I'll explain later. And he says you got to listen to him. And so I put him on. I could not get past the first 10 minutes because here's what he did. He said, quote, I get complaints from people all the time that I don't use scripture, but let me tell you something. And he puts his Bible down. I'm bringing the word. You know, he's claiming at that moment, he's claiming that his word is equal to scripture. No pastor's word is equal to scripture. Anything that I say from here, you had better be testing and making sure that it, it lines up and meets with scripture, that it doesn't fall outside of scripture because it doesn't matter who stands up here. We are under and should be under the authority of scripture. We never have the option of laying the Bible down and saying, I've got a word from the Lord and you need to listen to me. You guys with me so far? Okay. All right. The Holy Spirit always affirms Scripture. Jesus is the Word of God according to John chapter 1 and the Holy Spirit always points back to Jesus. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are never in competition. They're always on the same page. And, uh, and even if we are communicating something God's telling us, like I said, we need to make sure that Scripture is always prevalent. One of the, one of the things that we see is people have found out that you can't challenge them if they go, well, I heard from God. I heard from God, and so you can't tell me any different because this came from God. And it's interesting how many times that's used in places where you're like, I don't think that lines up with Scripture. Well, you can't, right? It, it instantly, all it is is a tool for people not to challenge us as we're trying to do what we want and somehow claim that Scripture is behind that authority. Okay, so there are plenty of charismatic groups that are different than us that love Jesus and aren't into those kind of things. There are plenty of charismatic churches we know, love, and respect that are, that are, are really seeking to honor and worship Jesus that are doing it even different, but still um, Scripture is their highest authority. And then there are some who, who aren't, and it's just different. Last of the groups is a group that I would call Pentecostals. 
And uh, again, some people that label themselves Pentecostals, according to my definition, would actually be charismatics. So I'm not picking on every Pentecostal church, right? I'm trying to tell you about the philosophy behind it. You have to have some line that helps us understand what it is. And so the people from the Pentecostal camp would say that some Christians have the Holy Spirit and some don't. That the initial evidence of your salvation is that you speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, they can't prove that you're saved. And it's because you haven't received the Holy Spirit. And so I've been in many of these. If you go there, they'll say, we're just going to pray that you receive tongues so we can prove that you're saved. And then you'll be, the Holy Spirit will come on you and you'll be good. Okay. The problem we have with that is the Bible says all who become apprentice of Jesus receive the Holy Spirit. We believe in a triune God. Uh, three distinct persons of one essence, three in one. And so while they have different roles, persons, and functions, they cannot be separated. While they are different, they are one God. And so this just really creates a space where we just go, okay, we, we just can't, we can't go there with you. We can't go there with you. We, we love you, but uh, denying the Trinity is a big deal for us. We would say then at that point, if you deny the Trinity, you're, you're, you're actually denying who the persons of the Godhead are. At that point, I don't know that we can... You look a lot like Christianity, but I don't know that we can actually go there. Does that make sense? We're trying to do that with grace, but that's the reality of the, the issue. Okay, so if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Secondly, in Romans, God tells us through Paul, the Holy Spirit gives us different gifts. Pastors don't give gifts. Yes, thank God. Because, you know, as pastors, you'd be like, if you email me one more time, I'm going to give you a gift that you are going to hate, and that's it. No, I'm just kidding. Pastors don't give gifts. God gives gifts. God gives the gifts as he chooses, not as we demand or direct. Secondly, we do not own gifts. Gifts are not owned by a person. So when we start talking about, this is where language gets weird, but we start talking about I am a prophet. I am a healer. I am a uh, interpreter. I am this. That's, that's, we want to be really careful because that is not who we are. The Bible says that God gives us gifts according to what he needs to accomplish his will and his mission for us. And so we live out the gifts as God empowers us with for that season, that time. But God is the one that takes those gifts and gives them or doesn't give them. You may find that God gives you a gift of wisdom for a moment because it's necessary for what you're doing. But that doesn't mean you own that. Why? Because if we own a gift, what is that saying? I can use this how I want. And the truth is that we do not have the power to wield any gift like a sword you know what? I'm going to heal you. I'm going to walk around and heal you. All that does is points to us. Yes. Now, I have met people that God has chosen for whatever reason to continue to empower them with a gift for a long period of time and they are faithful with it. But those people that I've seen and experienced that are always about Jesus. They are always not about self. You guys with me on that? Okay. I have great friends that fall into very different camps than mine, I respect and love. And so we're going to be talking a lot more about the kind of gifts that the Spirit gives out. But I want you to know that there is not one full and complete list of the gifts. The Bible does have gifts of the Spirit listed in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, and Ephesians 4. But you may have a gift that isn't listed, and that's okay. Because the Holy Spirit's going to give you what you need to do what He's called you to do to accomplish His will, not ours or yours. If you take notes today, this is our first observation for the day. You have been given natural abilities and spiritual gifts to glorify God and to help the church accomplish God's mission. Not the church's mission, but God's mission. Hopefully those are aligned. Hopefully those are aligned. All of us have some natural talent or ability. All of us have some natural talent ability. As I said before, some of us are athletes. Some of us are mathletes. That's fine. You and me, not mathletes. That's totally fine. 
That's good. Some of us play multiple instruments, and some of us struggle to play the radio. <laughs> it's okay. But those different talents or abilities, while given by God, are not obvious, or they're not obviously specific in Christianity. Anybody can go and play the radio. Anybody can go and you know, play an instrument. That doesn't mean it's being used for God's glory or ability or talent. Um, those things are natural abilities, and God can, I believe, enhance those or give people greater natural abilities, but that's not necessarily a spiritual gift. In addition to our natural talents and abilities, we all have things we're passionate about, things that move us. It might be refugees or homelessness or food insecurity. It might be single parents or hungry elementary kids. And we hear about it, it just wrecks us emotionally. As we become apprentices of Jesus, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts that help glorify God by being the hands and feet of people. But here's the deal. It will always... Um, uh, uh, be a part of those, there's a, an intersection of our natural gifts and abilities and our passions. And so our natural gifts and abilities, our passions, and our spiritual gifts, they, they come to this, this place where it works, and it works because God allows us to do it. What do I mean? Well, I know people who, who love to, to, to help people understand God's word, but they're naturally introverts, and they really struggle being around people. I've seen those people come alive when they are teaching, I've seen people you would never know as an introvert when they stand up here and they're just like, here is God's word. You see them get animated and excited and they, they come alive. They feel energized, right? Some of my introverts are in here going, it, it hurts just to be in church this morning. I can't imagine like trying to get energy from looking at all these faces staring out at me, right? But, but teaching to the crowd is something that God has used in them. And when they're living out their gift, they, they, are, they are, when they would not normally be naturally happy to be around people, as they execute this gift of teaching, they are naturally filled up and, and they feel good and they are living out the gift that they have supernaturally instead of naturally. The Holy Spirit baptizes us. That's what it means to be a Christian. In other words, everybody that becomes an apprentice of Jesus is baptized in the Holy Spirit. That is what baptism in the Holy Spirit means. But there are times when the Holy Spirit can empower us. Empowering is when he helps us use our talents, gifts, or abilities to accomplish our calling. So we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is separate from baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit, every apprentice that Jesus has, people can be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills us, gives us the appropriate measure of the gift. Okay, for, for what I mean by this is some people have a, a leadership gift, right? But those leadership gifts aren't all the same size. There are some people who have amazing, amazing leadership up to about 20 people. And they're just not called to lead more than that. Some people have a gift of 1,000 people. They're not called to lead more than that. Some people have a gift of 50 or 100,000 people. I'm not called to do that. We, we have these leadership filling, and God gives us what we need that's appropriate for what he's called us to do. And so uh, the things that the Holy Spirit gifts us are what we're talking about. So how do we know what, we, what our gifts are? If you're taking notes today, here's our second observation for the day. These are three questions to help us discover what our spiritual gifts are. Three questions that help us discover our spiritual gifts. What am I passionate about? What am I passionate about? What makes me feel alive or brings me to joy? Brings me joy? And where am I effective? Where am I effective? If you don't know what you're passionate about, here's something that might help. Grab a newspaper. It's this thing, it's, it leaves black ink all over your hand. Some of you may have seen it. Um, they're still around some places, but grab it. It can be found um, mostly in your neighbor's driveways. <clears throat> Open it up, and with a pen, circle the stories 
that stood out to you, the stories that stood out to you, circle of stories, and then ask yourself, why did this stick out to me? You'll find oftentimes the things that you care about are actually right there in the middle of that. Might have been an apartment fire and you found out that it displaced a family with, with a large number of children. You might find that it was uh, homelessness on the rise and that, that might be really get at your, at, your, at your heart. And so these are things that, that, that generally we want to begin paying attention to. Now these questions aren't going to be like, Oh, I discovered my spiritual gifts out of this. These are things that point us in the direction that help us begin to learn and grow and understand what God is doing. Okay, now, let me be clear. I'm not talking like politics and stuff, okay? <laughs> I, this one hits me because I want to hurt that guy. Okay, that is not a spiritual gift. <laughs> okay? But chances are the things that you're passionate about will begin to emerge and things like that. When you're operating in your gifts, you're going to find that it brings you joy. I would say that one of my spiritual gifts is teaching. I love when people, uh, when I can take something that's complex and break it down so people can understand it. It absolutely not only makes me feel alive, but it makes me feel like I'm doing what I was created to do. And so I'm most fulfilled when I'm actually doing what God called me to do. And so when I, when I get to, and it could be just one-on-one as we're talking through something, it doesn't have to be spiritual. There's something that, that happens there that's good. But really, where I feel most like I'm being obedient to Jesus is when I'm standing right here. When you're operating your gifts, you're going to find that it brings you joy. It makes you feel like you're supposed to be doing what you're doing. I'll give you an example. My wife has a gift of administration. My wife makes lists about making lists. <laughs> if you want to know the secret how I got her to marry me, I offered her a label maker. She was like, you speak my love language. This is amazing. <laughs> but my wife feels good. <laughs> I didn't tell you I was talking about you today. I'm sorry. My, my wife feels good when she can come in and bring an organization something that it doesn't have. My wife is exceptional at seeing this is where we need to go. This is the type of things that we need to do. This is what needs to happen. And she brings in a level of organization that I have no clue how she does. It, it's, it's incredible. And she can see it in almost any circumstance. She can see those pathways in places that I never could. And so I, I, I love when, when we see people alive and happy using their gifts. I love when you serve and people ask you to help. If you have the gift of, of, of service, people, you, you just might feel good when somebody invites you to go do some work with them. Other people are like, that's ridiculous. I would never want to do that. But there are people who are like, man, I feel alive when you just, thanks for asking me to do this with you. If you love making people feel comfortable and want to see them fed and fat and happy, you might have a gift of hospitality. But whatever your gift, it will bring you joy and fulfillment when you're using it and when you're using it to bring honor and glory to God, not for yourself. And lastly, and this is really important because sometimes we forget this, but does the gift you're using seem to have good results? A lot of people want to be the teacher on Sunday mornings. I'll just tell you there's a certain level of hate mail that comes with that, so you might want to rethink that. But, uh, but there are people... Uh, that I've watched, I've seen that get up to speak and after they're done, people are more confused than when the teacher got up there. <laughs> she said, I've been around those people is what she said. Yeah, right? If it isn't working, it might not be your spiritual gift. And sometimes there's things that we really desire to be, we want to be, that doesn't mean that that's the gift that God has specifically, specifically given us. And so I, we discover our spiritual gifts through trial and practice. I want to make a note here that many of us have taken spiritual gift tests. In fact, we're going to do that in a couple weeks. But spiritual gift tests are, are just something to point you in the right direction. They do not confirm that those are your spiritual gifts. 
You guys with me? They just help us to understand and narrow it down. You have to practice those gifts and see whether or not there is fruit from that, whether or not that is the way that God is operating in you, whether or not that is what God has called you to in this season to see if that is exactly what it is. But we always discover our spiritual gifts as we live them out in community. And that brings us to our third and final observation for the day. That spiritual gifts must be cultivated. Spiritual gifts must be cultivated. Even though we are given those gifts for a season, for whatever God has called us to do, it doesn't mean we're suddenly experts at using them. We must practice using our gifts in order to use them properly. If you have the gift of encouragement, but you use it at the wrong time in the wrong way, it is absolutely disingenuous. If you have the gift of wisdom and always seem to know what to do in a given situation, but you don't know how to wait to be invited to speak into that person's life, it's not much of a spiritual gift. So what is the safe place to practice? Right here in church. This is where we practice. We practice in our missional communities. We practice in our DNA groups. That's where discipleship happens here. In our Sunday services, uh, it's like when I was younger, I, I, I you know, always dreamed about being in a band and, and, and I'd, I'd been practicing, but I didn't know if it worked. There was no way to tell until I went and started playing for people. I actually had to be like, hey, does this work? And they were like, uh, not really. You need to go back and practice, right? And after several iterations that I discovered, oh, okay, this is, this is working better. There's more positive response here. I'm growing. Okay, now I'm in a place where I can go and begin doing this. And that feedback, those changes in me kept me moving forward and how I used that appropriately until I got to the place where that became something that I was able to do in public. By the time I performed in public, I was much more comfortable in my own skin because I had practiced. I knew what I was doing at that point, Right? We continue to grow always, but that's it. And so since our church is a family, we are always about helping each other grow grow and learn. It's who we are. It's who we have to be as a people. It's a perfect place to discover and deploy our gifts so we can use them in our everyday lives to accomplish the mission that God has called each of us. And guess what? You will find that the mission God has given this church, he always resources by the people he brings to the church. And so the gift that you have, yeah, we can clap about that. That's awesome. What I'm saying is that you are important here, that your story is a part of God's story for Story City and for the city of Burbank, for the valley, for LA and the world, that you are here at this time, not by accident, but because God called you to be in this place at this time. And that is an amazing thing. Jesus says in John 14, 12, he says this, truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus is saying that we're empowered by the same spirit he is, and so we'll be able to do the same kind of things he did. But when he says we will do greater works, he's not saying we individually are going to be more powerful than Jesus. That's not what he's saying. He's saying he fed thousands, but billions of Christians can and will feed billions of people. Jesus taught thousands of people, but billions of Christians can and will teach billions of people. He is saying we together can bring glory to God by helping people to know and love Jesus and know and love their neighbors in his name. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, you are so faithful. You are so good. Thank you for your consistency. I thank you that you empower us, that you give us what we need to be the people you have called us to be. But I thank you that it doesn't depend on us, that it's not about our agenda or our will that we get to simply watch you like a servant watching their master's hands. We get to watch you and say, Holy Spirit, lead us. Show us where you're going. We want to be faithful with what you've given. We always want to point to you. We praise you. We praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.